What I would like to see us do is get into more syndication deals so we can grow those numbers of doors. And whether that's being a sponsor or a general partner to being a heavily invested LP. Diversification is very important to a portfolio. What's going on, guys? This is the Passion Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Brian Boyd. And today we're digging into the lessons that he's learned building his portfolio from zero to 25 units. And then we also dig into what is headed down the pike for him in the future, where he and his wife are headed with their portfolio down the road to reach their financial goals. I know we have a lot of folks out there thinking, how can I get into real estate? How can I scale to 25 units, 100 units, whatever, whatever number of units you need? Well, it all starts with zero. And we're digging into how he got started and how his portfolio has snowballed to this point and where he's headed into the future. A lot of great lessons in this one. We're pulling out, again, lessons that he learned along the way and making those accessible for you. Brian is a listener to this show. I'm sure he's listening right now. Shout out to Brian. Great interview. And I know our listeners are getting a lot out of our discussion today. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Fill out the form and schedule a call with me. I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And you know what, you guys? That helps people see that you're learning something from the show and they think, hey, this person learned something. Maybe I can learn something too. And they decide to tune in. And you know what? I see your reviews. I get to see that you're engaging with the content. And I appreciate that so, so much. I really appreciate your, your feedback and that you're willing to spread the word to others. Speaking of spreading the word to others, if you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, do look us up and hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Brian Boyd. And today we're digging into his journey, scaling from zero to 25 units, both long-term and short-term rentals, and where he and his portfolio and his wife are headed in the future. Without any further ado, here we go. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Well, you know how it goes. You've listened to the show. We've already been online here for 40 minutes and learned so much about you. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do and how you invest in real estate? Absolutely. So I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I graduated from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga in 1998. I then matriculated to law school down in Alabama at Sanford University, graduating there in 2004, and went on to get a second law degree called an LLM at Georgetown University in taxation. Worked in DC for a little bit and found my way back home to Tennessee right around 2007, 2008 right in time for the real estate meltdown and lost my job going out on my own and got involved with some clients that are general contractors. 
and started learning real estate. It was a far cry from tax law that I'd been doing in regular business law, even though there's some mergers on the Venn diagram there of all the the work that kind of goes into helping contractors. In 2017, I bought my first short-term rental, and then I bought two single-family homes that year, sold both of those to a hedge fund, and sold the short-term rental a year later for a $70,000 profit over and above what I paid for it, and then bought into Chattanooga, my hometown, bought 13 single-family homes there, And a year later, bought another duplex. Meanwhile, we bought multifamily properties in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then in Brownsville, Tennessee. And now we're back in Gatlinburg with short-term rentals. And we have a short-term rental in Montana for about 25 doors total. It has been a wild ride. My day job, I'm a lawyer. I have my own law firm. And I have found myself you know, in the past year really talking to people about their real estate deals, helping them with their real estate transactions, guiding them through distressed transactions, when things may fall apart, how to keep it in place, and really coaching a lot of clients along the way. I love real estate. I think it's a great way to generate wealth. It's a great way to generate passive investment income. And it's such a unique world where there is something for everybody, regardless of what your appetite for risk is, there's something out there for you. And I encourage everybody to do it. You know, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've just gone and had coffee with somebody so they can just pick my brain on, well, should I do this? And should I do that? And I'm thrilled to talk to them. I'm just happy they're interested in getting involved in real estate. I love it. And, you know, maybe one day that's all I'm doing and not practicing law anymore. But, you know, I think it's a generational wealth building strategy. And I want to help as many people as I can. I think real estate investing should be open to everybody. Absolutely. Totally. Totally agree. And, you know, I'd like to dig into more how you scaled the portfolio over time and reached 25 doors, what some of those moves looked like to enable those steps up. Because I think a lot of people hear all those acquisitions and they, you know, they might assume that, hey, maybe you were sitting on a pile of cash and just ready to buy and they, you know, maybe I can't do that type of thing. Or, you know, they just don't understand the different creative ways to add value or extract value or use money. As Robert Kiyosaki likes to say. So tell us about actually scaling up the nitty gritty uh, your portfolio. Absolutely. So let's take the first property. That was the result of me selling another business. And I did four things with that money. I paid off a student loan. I bought my wife a new wedding ring. I bought a couple of shotguns for you know duck hunting and quail hunting. And I bought my first short-term rental. At this point, my wife, who didn't want anything to do with the previous business I sold, decided she wanted to get in. And so she is my partner. She decided that she would borrow from her 401k and match my contribution to an LLC to help us buy the first property, which we did. And from there, with the returns we were getting, we figured out, okay, if you get a good banker, somebody that understands your vision, then you're going to get there. They're going to help you get there because banks make money by lending money. So had a good real estate agent, had a good banker. I did the legal work, 
and we bought two single family homes along the way and they were very stable. We got them rented very quickly and there were no problems with those. But the short-term market in Gatlinburg at the time wasn't quite renting as fast as we wanted it to. So we sold it a year later, made $70,000 on it. We took our equity back plus our profit and we went to our hometown of Chattanooga and we invested in small homes. You know, I've got a saying that I, I say to every client, aim small, miss small. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. So we bought small homes that we knew would cash flow for us. And when I say small homes, some of these are maybe a thousand square feet, but the rents made sense. If you look at the purchase price versus the rents, we're like, okay, that works. You know, we're not going to get rich on this property. We're not going to vacation in Bali or anything on it. But you know what it is going to do? It's going to put money in our pockets that we're not grinding away for every single day. And so that was the beginning of understanding leverage. So we got that portfolio stabilized. It's renting well. We did a reappraisal a year later, found out we had created equity in two particular properties of $100,000 in one year at each property, pulled that equity back out, bought a duplex there and did some fixing up to the other properties to make them not quite as distressed as they looked when you drove by them. And along the way, we've had a lot of tenants come and go, but for the most part, that portfolio performs very well and we're not in up to our necks on that. So when people wonder, where do I get the money? It's no secret that you need to save, you need to access what you have. Some people access home equity lines of credit to get in on their first deal. Others borrow from their IRA, their 401k, their SEP. And for me, I actually liquidated my SEP. I took the penalties, I took the tax, but I knew I could take that and wash those out with the depreciation that was going to come back to me from cost segregation studies on these properties and shelter that. So that became a, a wash. Moreover, I was cash flowing the entire portfolio by the renters. So along the way, the bank was looking at me. And even though that we were from a tax perspective, we weren't getting killed and we're actually tax negative. The bank said, yes, we like what you're doing. You're not being aggressive about it. We will help you. We will restructure loans if you need that. We have other products for you. And so we have a very good relationship with our bankers. I was on the phone with one of them today. And, you know, he's like, when are you doing your next deal? I'm like, well, we'll figure it out. You know, if we see something we like. But along the way, we've never left our day jobs. My wife works very hard at what she does. I work hard at what I do. And we really have created a third job here because we want to be treated as active investors, not passive investors. And there's a tax purpose for that for us. But that's how we did it. And to people that are just getting started or they don't have money to invest, you know, you need to look at your, your skill set. What can you bring to the table? How can you earn sweat equity? Can you bird dog a deal? Can you manage a property? Can you project manage? Can you throw up drywall? Can you paint walls? Can you put on drawer screws and doorknobs? You know, can you do maintenance work? 
you know, how can you add value to somebody that's looking for help? And I promise you, there are forums out there. There are investors out there always looking for somebody to earn sweat equity. It's not impossible if you don't have a, a pile of cash. I didn't have a pile of cash. I had a retirement that I had socked away and I, I liquidated and I took that risk. But at the same time, not everybody has a retirement. So if you want to get involved in this, figure out what can you bring to the table? Because people will, will help you. This is a great community. We just want to help you invest and be a real estate owner. So I'd like to get into the time commitment as well. You mentioned you are you know, still practicing law. Your wife has a, works for a Fortune 500 company. And you and I were talking before we started recording that you also train jujitsu, which is a great passion of mine as well. So that, that definitely takes time once you go uh, down the rabbit hole. So how are you working in the various time commitments for you know, real estate into your day or your week, you know, in a, in a real in, sense. in a real sense, to give you an example, last night, my wife and I were looking at numbers from one of our property manager and I was doing back of the envelope numbers. Like, That's not making sense. They're, I'm missing something. So my wife spent four hours putting together a spreadsheet and we project managed our way through it. So that was four hours each put in trying to figure out where these numbers were. Then we made a phone call to our accountant like, Hey, something's off here. Can you crunch these numbers? And found out that, yeah, we are missing some money too. There were some deductions taken that shouldn't have been taken. And that is the business part of real estate. And it happens all the time. It just gets integrated into your day. I was on the phone today with somebody, you know, a tenant didn't move out, you know, she parked a, a pods unit on the driveway <laughs> And our other tenants can't access the driveway. And like, oh. So, you know, I was on the phone with our real estate agent over in Knoxville. Like, hey, can you drive by? Tell her that this can't stay here today. <laughs> this has to be gone. She was supposed to be out yesterday. So it's just a constant. It, you find time. And then I, I got a phone call from another attorney in East Tennessee today. And his client wants to do a syndication deal. So a quick five-minute call here, 10-minute call there you know, it just becomes part of your day. And what I will say is that we are not absentee owners. We understand what's going on with our properties. That's not for everybody. We've created another job for ourselves, but we have a plan and, and this real estate is our future. And if that isn't for you, then I would suggest that people that want to get involved in real estate, they look to syndication deals. They look to becoming a limited partner somewhere where, hey, you're not creating another job for yourself because unless you are really just passionate about real estate, it can be as big or as little as you want it to be. And I promise you, I run down rabbit holes all the time on things. And that's not for everybody, but it just becomes part of your day. So, you know, my day is probably 14 hours. And wow. that's from the time I get up to the time my head hits the pillow at night. And I've got a little boy, so I need to be a dad too. And along the way, I have to balance all this. 
but it just gets integrated into the day. I'll make a phone call here. I'll send an email there. And you just kind of flow with it. It's kind of like flow rolling, right? You just kind of, you kind of pick it up, you catch it here, you throw it there, you move this there and you just kind of move. And I, I couldn't do what I do one without my wife and two without the team we have put together. We have a tremendous team of professionals that we are so thankful for. And we kissed a lot of frogs along the way. So that's how I do it. Nice. So as far as the future goes, I mean, you have your, your strategy, you have your portfolio, you're continuing to scale, and you've obviously got a vision ahead of you of probably a count, I would guess, of how many units you need until you you leave practicing law, your life, or your wife leaves work or whatever the next step might be. What do you see ahead, especially now? I mean, it's a different market right now than it was in 2016 and, and 17 when you were kicking it off, right? So you know, what's your coming down the pipe and how do you get to that freedom number? And how are you managing that with today's crazy market? Right. And, and those are great questions. And I would say, you know, we are constantly looking at our business. You know, does it need to evolve? Do we need to pivot from this to that? And if we have a property that's not performing, you know, it's not personal. It's an asset, either it performs or it doesn't. If it doesn't perform, get rid of it. Get your money back, try to get your money back and move on to something else. So currently we are moving from single family homes into short family or short-term rentals. That's a, a better market for us. We don't have the tenant issues. We don't have the evictions. You know, the properties are typically a higher cost. So they tend to be a little bit nicer they don't have the wear and tear that you generally see on single family homes and the cash flow is much better along those lines that doesn't mean we're going to go full tilt into short term rental we are going to keep you know our portfolio diversified enough that we still have good cash flow coming from this and good cash flow coming from that you know there's no reason to sell it if it's performing where we're going, what I would like to see us do is get into more syndication deals so we can grow those numbers of doors. And whether that's being a sponsor or a general partner to being a heavily invested LP, diversification is very important to a portfolio. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't understand that Hey, sometimes you don't need to drive the bus. Sometimes you just need to sit in the back and enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. And I think we're kind of to that point now where we're ready just to say, hey, we're going to invest in this. Just send us a check. Because even when you have property managers, you are managing the property managers. You are making decisions every day. And for us, it's fine when our mid-40s, you know, we've got energy. We can do that, but somewhere down the line, we're going to say, you know what, just send me a check and I'll be good with that. So things are constantly evolving. We have a one, three, five, and seven year plan, you know, where we want to see ourselves, you know, where do we want to be? How do we want to get there? And we just work that plan and we constantly review that plan. And if I can give any advice to anybody listening is, Constantly review your plan, constantly work your plan, but always be willing to change your plan. So that's what we do. And we do it every day. 
and it's part of our lives. You know, it's something we just do. I love it. So for short-term rentals, those have gotten more popular over time and it's not an asset class I've ever done anything with. So my knowledge is, uh, you know, purely educational, I suppose, or, or, uh, and you know, not, not applied. What do you think are the most important considerations for folks considering getting into the short-term rental game? And I would like to clarify too, that you're not doing short-term rental arbitrage where you rent a place out and then use that as your short-term rental property. You're actually going out and acquiring the properties yourselves and then using them as a short-term rental, right? That's correct. We don't stay at our short-term short term rental. We've got two in Gatlinburg I've never seen. Uh, nice. Never been there. Don't know what they look like. I get the reports every month from the property manager. I'm like, okay, either it performed or it didn't. If there's a maintenance issue, they call us, let us know, or shoot us an email. But no, when we look at a short-term rental, typically most short-term rentals have a rental history. So we will look at that versus the purchase price. Does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, dig in a little deeper, do a little bit of underwriting, find out why it doesn't make sense. For example, we just bought one and the rental history didn't make any sense based upon that market and comparable units like that particular cabin. So we started asking questions and we found out that this particular unit was heavily used by the owners. So they weren't renting it out as much. That solved the problem. The bank was happy with that explanation. We gave them projections of what other units like that could do on a rental program. But I think if you don't dig into the numbers and ask the questions, you may find surprises you're not happy with. That was a good surprise for us. But there have been times we've looked at rental numbers and like, hey, what's this maintenance issue over here? What is going on with this? In fact, the the first property we bought, it was an off-market deal. Former client brought it to me, asked if I could help out. I'm like, well, I might be interested in it myself. What are you asking? He sent it over to me. My wife and I talked about it. We asked for the rental numbers. Rental numbers weren't great. We asked for the maintenance issues you know, what had been invested in it, show it to me. We want to see receipts. And then we got into it and we're like, oh no, 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 no. We, we would be interested, but not at this price. And so ended up getting that house or that cabin for a hundred thousand dollars under ask. Wow. And that's in this market right now. And if a lot of people don't know, Gatlinburg is a really hot market. We did put $30,000 into it. We, we built up a retaining wall. We, did some stabilization work because it's on the side of a mountain. We refloored it and basically went in and changed all the furniture out and did a really good deep clean that it desperately needed. But to that end, the numbers will tell you so much. And if you are not willing to get into the weeds with the numbers, you're going to find yourself in a very bad place and not know how to get out. So just like anybody doing a syndication deal, you have to look at those numbers. Those numbers tell a story. And what is that story? Is it a story that you can make have a fairy tale ending? Or is it a story that isn't going to go well? It's going to go more like a Brothers Grimm you know, story <laughs> for you. You don't want that. And so anybody looking to get in short-term rental, I would tell them, do your homework on the properties. Find a location that you want to go to. And if that's where you would go, 
great. It might be a good vacation spot. I don't tend to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I, one, it's three and a half hours away. If I'm going to drive three and a half hours, I probably want to be in a deer stand somewhere. <laughs> but to that end, it is a great family vacation spot. People love it. And it is very family friendly. So a lot of people just are going there all the time. Find a place like that. Find a place where families want to go. They want to enjoy property and it'll stay rented. You know, get a good property manager. That's another thing. That's goes without saying. Because I'm not going to take the phone call at 11 o'clock at night when the toilet's not <laughs> Absolutely. I think with short-term rentals in particular, there are a lot of folks kind of diving in without doing a, a lot of homework, which, you know, live your life, go for it, I suppose. But, you know, there's a lot you need to know before doing any type of investment and in real estate in particular, a phrase that I had heard and I really like is that deals are not found, they're made. So in digging into the numbers, you're making the deal happen or really figuring out if the deal will work and then determining a price that you need to get it at to make it work, which in that case turned out to be a hundred grand less than asking price. And you made the deal. It's not that you just found the deal and bought it at right what they were asking for. That's correct. Yeah, you know, we dug into the numbers. We figured out what was going on. We spoke to some engineers. We're like, hey, this is going to cost this. We're not willing to pay ask on this. And we were able to strike the deal. So, yeah, we were fortunate there. Yeah. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Brian, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. You know this. You listen to the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The best investment my wife and I have ever made in real estate is getting the right team together. You need to get professionals that know what they're doing, that do it well, that communicate effectively. And like I said previously in this podcast, we kissed a lot of frogs, but Finding those professionals that understand what you're trying to do, that speak your language, sometimes you're going to pay for what you get. And if you're looking to cut corners with your team, you're going to see that in the results. We pay our team what they ask, and we are thrilled to write those checks. Investing in my team is the best decision we've ever made, and it's the best investment we we have made or will ever made regardless of the property. Nice. I love that. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? The worst investment we ever made was, it's actually a property that was stunning. It was gorgeous. <laughs> Gated community, townhome, stainless steel, granite countertops just in the wrong part of town and we could not rent this thing to save save our lives we could not give it away uh, we were fortunate that we carried it for three months and sold it three months later for a twenty thousand dollar profit so we broke even on it but we looked at what was going on in the area and we thought the area was ready and obviously it just was not ready now it'd be a great investment, but we were about two years too soon to the market. And we just got excited. We saw, hey, that's a great buy. Let's do that. 
And we learned, we learned a hard lesson. It cost us three months of carrying a note and mm. bad idea. Just because it's bright and shiny doesn't mean it's good for you. So, you know, say la vie, live and you learn. So bad investment. Yeah. Sometimes it can be tempting to fall in love with a property just from a, an optics standpoint. But again, to go back to the numbers, we got to be focused on the numbers and whether it's going to put money in our pockets every month. Absolutely. And there was, it was a brand new property, had no rental history on it. We just thought, oh, this will rent like wildfire. And it just sat there and sat there and sat there. So. Uh, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Aim small, miss small. Do not bite off more than you can chew. You know, it's really important that you don't overinvest in something. If you're just getting started in real estate, buy small. Buy something that's not going to hurt you. You know, if, if a tenant doesn't make that payment that month, you're going to be fine. You know, you can cover that easily. Don't be mesmerized by bright and shiny things. You know, it happened to me. We, we saw this property and we're like, oh, this will rent. And yeah, it did not rent. <laughs> so that was a $200,000 lesson. Oh, man. But uh, it turned out well. To continue with the pig metaphor, don't bet the farm on any given deal. No, not at all. Always keep money back. Don't take the entirety of your savings or your nest egg and put it in one property. You know, buy something smaller. You know, see how it goes. Rent it out. Get some experience under your belt. And believe me, experience goes a long way, a long way in this world. And another piece of advice I would give anybody is, hey, if you don't know, just ask. This is a community that wants to help. We want you to learn. We want you to invest. How can I help you? People ask all the time, how do you, how do you do this? I'm like, well, here's how you do it. You know? So that's, that's what I would say. Just ask people are happy to help you. I love that. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more, if they ask, if they want to ask you, Hey, how did you do it? Even though you, they, they heard you describe that right here on this very interview, where can they track you down? Sure. So the name of the law firm is boydandwills.com. So it's www.boydandwills.com. I also have a landing page set up right now. It's bryantboyd.com. It's for my forthcoming book on how this actually works. I try to take people from the beginning of getting invested, give them the tools they need, and actually explain how you use these tools. You know, And I want this book to be one of those books you carry around with you and you dog your pages like, what did he say here? This is what I said. So if you just wait, go to that landing page, put your name and email address in when the book's published, we'll get it out to you. But if you want to reach out to me, reach out to me through the law firm and I'm happy to talk to you. I am happy to talk to you and explain anything you need to know. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. 
I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.